What's up, everybody? You're listening to Out of the Box Podcast with your host, D-Star. Enjoy the show! What's up, everybody? This is your host, D-Star, here with DJ Spade. What's up, DJ Spade? How you feeling, man? Man, chilling, man. Cooling, bro. Thanks for having me. And thanks for gracing us with your presence today. For the people that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? DJ, right? I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Lived out in Long Island, New York for a little while. Shout out to Long Beach, New York. A music lover. You know what I'm saying? Hip-hop enthusiast. Been in prison for the last nine years. Been home now for six months. I moved out to Madison, Wisconsin. Actually, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I was there first. That's where I caught my case. I caught my case in Milwaukee. I moved out here 2011. Seven months later, I found myself facing a 16-year bid. That's what I was sentenced to. I was unduly harsh sentenced. I was given 16 years for delivery manufacturing, two ounces of cocaine, my first time ever in prison. Fought the case for nine years. Finally, a DA admitted to making mistakes in my sentencing transcripts, and I got, you know, abruptly released. I want to give a shout out to Kelly Thompson and Melissa Fitzsimmons, who were the public defenders who went out their way to take my case because they knew something was wrong. Again, been home only six months. While in prison, I met my girl. I met my fiance. We actually just did a show not too long ago about relationships while incarcerated. Before we go into that, let's start with this. You came here from Brooklyn, right? I actually came here from Puerto Rico. Okay. Uh, Now we got to go back. We're in Puerto Rico. (laughs) Yes. I I was living in Luquillo. Luquillo. Uh, My family's from Canoana, man. Shout out to everybody out there. From where? Canoanas, San Isidro Canoana, right by Loisa. Okay. 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 My wife's family is from Camuy. All right. Yeah. Okay. So you moved from Puerto Rico to the States, landed in Brooklyn. No, no, no. All right. So so let's get it. Let's get it. Come All right. On. <laughs> so I went from Brooklyn to Florida. Well, Long Island to Florida, New York to Florida. Right. Out there, I got picked up. Uh, I went on an audition as a DJ at Club Envy by Universal Studios. Okay. And uh, I ended up getting picked up by All Pro Records. The promoter for All Pro was in the crowd, liked what I did, got picked up by them, was DJing for them for a little while. From there, moved to Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, met up with the Rough Riders, state representative of Eli. Shout out to Eli, them Rough Riders out there, the Rough Rider chapter of Puerto Rico. And I was just dealing with them for a little while. From Puerto Rico, met the girl I came out here with. And then again, seven months later, found myself, you know, in a jam. So I'm not going to say I was an innocent man, but I wasn't guilty of what I was charged with. Okay. They gave me them charges because I was not willing to testify against the person that actually sold the drugs. Okay. So that's, I ended up getting his charges. Because you refused to cooperate. Absolutely. So you refused to cooperate. You know, you said, hey, I'm not saying that I did, but I'm not saying that I didn't. Yeah, basically what they needed was they already knew who sold the drugs. Because what happened was ATF was brought to my doorstep by another individual. The person that sold the drugs came to my house, but they never saw him. I had to go downstairs, grab it, and bring it up for him. Because I wouldn't testify. They needed my testimony in court in order to be able to charge him. And I wasn't going. How much time did you end up doing? In nine years. Where? Stanley, the Resource Center, Fox Lake, Oregon, Oak Hill. I went all the way down. So you didn't have like a traditional set time. No. You was fighting it that whole time. Yep. Which is crazy because it's like they sent you to prison while you still fighting your case. So I was fighting it under appeal. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You got the time and you was like, okay, I'll just come back on an appeal. So right now, as far as your paperwork is concerned, did they exonerate you? No, and they didn't exonerate me was because I pled guilty to the charges. In my head, I was thinking I'd never been to prison. I got no major record. I got minor drug convictions on my record in New York. So from 98 to 2011, when I caught these charges, there was more than a 10-year gap of a felony. Mm. My first and one and only felony on my record 
was was called in New York a paper felony. I served 15 days in jail with five years probation on that felony. It was a minor felony. So in my head, I'm thinking, you know what I'm saying? I, I'll get four, three, maybe. four, maybe. Never in my wildest dreams that I think I'll get 16. So they hit you with the 16, and since the truth and sentencing, they wanted you to do 16. They wanted me to do 10 in and then six on papers. So you almost ended up serving the whole 10, so you really only saved a year. A year. And they reduced my paper two years. In all honesty, I still got 13 years for two ounces of cocaine that didn't belong to me. How often have you seen situations like that in prison with people being unjustly sentenced? All the time. All the time. And again, my first prison experience. You know, I came from New York on that bus ride from Dodge to my first stop, which was Stanley. I was mentally preparing myself for what people in New York were teaching me prison was. Right. You know, you get them scary uh, stories about the yard. Right, right. You know, about gangs, about, you know, just, you know, protecting yourself. 24-hour surveillance on yourself. So when I got out there, you know, in my head again on that bus ride, I'm like, it's about to go down. I'm about to go sharpen this toothbrush. Right. I'm going to hit the yard, see where the brothers is at, and, and we going to go from there. And, you know, thank God it wasn't that. For the most part of my bed, no problems. You know what I'm saying? One altercation in nine years. I mean, I got along with everybody. I was the barber, too. I cut hair as well. Oh, yeah, that's that's a... You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's always a plus. <laughs> yeah, so it's... it's um, You're the one that's keeping them crispy for them yeah. visits. Yeah, so, you know, I thank God... You know, I'm, I'm grateful and I appreciate the fact that I ain't have to worry about so much that. Like, right. You know what I'm saying? There was nobody the drama. Yeah. Yeah, running up in my room trying to do nothing to me. You know what I'm saying? I was at peace with everybody always. For the most part, I got through it like that. But my first two years were the worst because I lost both my parents within my first four months down. Oh, man. You know? And again, you know, I didn't have no family out here. The girl I came out here with took off on me ASAP. As, you know what I'm saying? As to be expected. Yeah. And, um. Uh, you just got, what, 16 years? Yeah. And, you know, I didn't expect for her to stay with me, like, as far as relationship, but to be considerate of the fact that she knew I was out here alone. I ain't have no family out here, nothing. You know what I'm saying? But that's neither here nor there. You know what I mean? It, that That is what it is. And um, I believe that, that God watched over me the entire time and, and had a bigger plan for me. And I didn't have no expectations of moving to Madison. I never been to Madison. Right. I ain't know nobody in Madison, nothing. Whole idea was getting out and going back home. Which is a process in itself, too. Yeah. I mean, you got you got to file for interstate compact and all that other stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, you know, I, I have to give, you know, God, you know, all the glory and appreciation for how everything turned out. And, you know, that's how we go back to, you know, the whole fiance thing and, and the girl and how I met her inside and all that stuff. So how did you meet your fiance? So I'm all the way up damn near in Canada and, and Stanley and there's no hip hop music on the station. Exactly. That's, that's over with. So, you know, you meet people. And a lot of people hear of you, especially through the barbering, like, yo, that's New York. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, they either call me New York or they call me by my first name or they call me Spade, whatever the case was. I get to Fox Lake. You know, I meet a couple people in there and we talking about music and we talking about DJing and who knows this and who knows that one and all that. You know how that goes? They're like, hey, yo, you know we can get the hip hop station. Boom. Right? So, <laughs> like, what? So one of the youngins that I meet at the first spot where I was in Fox Lake Unit 4 was like, yo, they got a hip-hop show on Saturday nights, you know what I'm saying, at 12 midnight, bro. And and in my head, I'm, yeah, well, what kind of hip-hop y'all playing out here? And, uh, man, I tune in, bro, and it's and it's Mob Deep, and it's Nas, and it's Jigga, and it's, and I'm forget about it. First night, I couldn't wait, you know what I'm saying? So... Boss lady always, you know, she she caters to the prison. She had, the, you know, the hotline for people to call in, shout out, you know, people writing in letters, doing right. their requests and all that. So uh, Absolutely. Uh, she had made a call for prison art. 
you know what I'm saying, for people that wanted to get their they art displayed, you know, because we not allowed we not allowed to sell it, quote unquote enterprise. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? If they find out you're enterprising, you go to the hole for that. You can't be selling your you can't start no business. You can't do none of that. And um Which is not like that in every prison. No, it's definitely not. Well, it's like that in every prison here in this state, mm-hmm. but it's yeah. not like that in every prison around the country. Because yeah. some prisons you can do that. Yeah. You know, you can start a business and you know what I mean, on yeah. the outside and um, be making money books, to help. That, yeah. yeah, to help, you know, provide sustain for your yourself. Yeah. yeah. Sustain yourself. She make a call for prison art and I, you know, I, I laid down an eighteen by twenty four canvas and I did a graffiti piece and I sent it in. And she uh, loves graffiti. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she does. And uh so I send it in. I also send in a little letter, you know, a little resume, like, yo, I'm so and so. I know this one, that one. And that's how the relationship started. Like a okay. f- like not a relationship as far like, as like boyfriend, yeah, the, girlfriend. The initial but a yeah. friendship. And and you know, I would write in and you know, there was times I write in a list of ten requests and you know, of course I send it in with a piece of art, like you know right, what I'm saying? Cause right. she ain't playing ten requests for anybody. But anyway, right. so Coincidentally, she goes to New York. She's in Coney Island and meets people from Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Mm. So she has them come out. Shout out the Greedy Gang, Remo. What up? You know what I'm saying, Mr. Greedy? What up? Uh, she goes out there and meets them. They come out to the radio station out here. I send in another letter, and again, well plugged in the hood, well plugged everywhere in New York. You know what I'm saying? And I'm I'm saying now, yo, so and so, they got this studio. You got the studio there. Lo and behold, drama, Jason's his real name, Mr. Greedy, is one of my guy's cousin's sons who was a shorty when I was out there. And right. of course, I'm not knowing, I'm not even knowing the name Greedy Gang because that wasn't out when I was out there. And it just so happened that we knew all the same people. They lived in the projects I'm from. And that's how that happened. Then the friendship became that. And I would ride in, ride in, ride in. We're going to fast forward two years now. Two years of me doing that, sending in letters. And you know what I'm saying? She had her own little situation going on. I'm graduating now. Now I'm at work release. But I took a college course at Madison College for industrial maintenance and electrical power. Mm. And I'm graduating, bro, with a 4.0 valedictorian of the class. I invite her to the graduation as friends. You're thinking, eh, yeah, yeah. she might come, she might not. You never know. And she came. She came. She came. So this is the first time you actually seen her in real in life. In person. Okay. First time I see her in person, she walks through the door. She's got a big triple X sweater on that the Greedy Gang and every all the artists from Greedy Gang has signed congratulating and everybody from the hood signed your spade. Congratulations. Keep your head up. All of a sudden, she wore the sweater to the graduation. Like, look, this is what I brought for you. You know what I'm saying? Right. She walks in and, and again, bro, first time seeing her in person, didn't know what she looked like. And I was just like, he's beautiful. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I was like, oh, what's going on? She had just gotten out of a relationship. The person right. that she was with had, you know, did whatever and she broke up with dude and um as soon as that door opened for me i ran right through it it was like this is, what's up you know what i'm saying like just hand it <laughs> and uh what's up yeah what's yeah up? and at first she you was see me yeah you know what i'm saying i even asked her the question and she was like what, what do you think and she was like yeah i like what i see and i was like you know because you go through that so a lot of people don't do that though and a lot of people admired that and respected that about me that even while i was inside I was doing things. Right, you know right. What I'm saying I was taking school. I was, you know, sending money home you know, as best I could. You know what I'm saying? It, yeah, so we, and we going to get to that because we're we yeah. going to get to that work ethic because I yeah. see you working. Yeah. Every time I see you, you working. Yeah, that's, that's, Every that's time, I've happen. never seen you on a leisurely day. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Every time I see you, you at work. Yeah. Every time I call you, 
Hey, bro, I'm at work. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Did this man ever chill? <laughs> I'm trying to make up for them nine years, bro. I feel you. Um, so, so finish the story. One thing led to another. At the time, too, not back then, because it wasn't like I was coming around home. I still had three years left. And, you know, I was still fighting. And she knew that. And what she did was she fought for me. This is how I end up getting the public defenders. And she's the one that plugged me with Kelly Thompson. She went to bat, though. She was out here making calls, sending letters, meeting this one, meeting that one. And there was points where I was I was giving up hope. Like, man, these people ain't never going to let me go, bro. And this is what it was. It was just like, look, you know, if, if you decide to stay, you stay. I got this time. That's that. I'm not, I'm not calling nobody no more. I'm not writing no more letters. You gave up. It's, it was it. She she didn't let me give up. She's like, she was nah, like, that's, right. that's not, yeah, we're not doing yeah, that. Yeah, you shut the bleep up. Right. We getting you up out of there. Right. And I swear to God, bro, it was a Thursday. You ain't never hear of nobody getting released on a Thursday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm in the barbershop in Oak Hill cutting hair. In the middle of a head. The sergeant comes in like, Espanol, put the clippers down. You going home. I'm like, man, stop playing stop with playing. me. She be bro, get out of here. And I'm like, serious? I'm running through the entire complex, going to sign papers here. Packing up property, like, man, it, it's, yeah. That's how Because usually, down. before you go home, you get a release You got to, you know, a couple of days before you're leaving. You know, you don't know the exact day. They're never going to tell you the exact day, but they're they going to put you in notice, hey, you could be gone every day. Yeah. So you get to say your goodbyes. You get to collect on whoever owe you what yeah. and, you know, settle all your affairs. Telling you, I said my goodbyes on a walk to the to the to the outdoor. Everybody came out. One person told the other, like, "Yo, Spade's packing this stuff up. They sending them home." People came out the units, like, right, "Yo, right, you going? Man, home? You like, about yeah. to leave, bro? Yeah, what was happening, bro? Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. hey, why you ain't tell me? Like, man, I ain't, I ain't even know. Right, I ain't even know. I ain't even know. I knew that. The, so I got the paper that the judge had went along with it, but I didn't know that she had already stamped it. Like, he's got to go now, right? Because I, you thinking yeah. it's gonna. You know, it's take, some, take time. some time, a yeah. week or two. No, right. The and judge- then they was gonna give you the notice, like, "Yo, we got the paper to release you. We are gonna release you in a couple of days." Or, Check this know. out. The DA knew that she had messed up so bad. You have never heard of a DA file a sentence modification on a criminal's behalf. I got the paperwork. I could show you the paperwork where the lady herself wrote in the minutes, told the judge. Had Mr. Espanol decided to fight his case and not accept responsibility for the beginning, he most likely would have had his case dismissed. Right. So the judge sees that and is like, like what? Oh, man. And then there's the flaws by the ATF. There's the unduly harsh sentence. There's the mistakes because she read in crimes supposedly that I was convicted of. I was never convicted of. Right. Never. It was like he was convicted of a felony on this day, this day, this day. I was like, hold on. Man, that's that not true. Yeah. That's not true. And then apparently the judge looked at it and was like, nah, he's leaving today. He's getting out right now. He's been in there long enough. Wow. Now I see why boss lady was telling me, yo, you need to, you need to interview Mark. Like, all right. All right. So boom. So she's been a a very instrumental piece of your life and a lot of people's life, respectfully, as far as like people being in prison because she talked back, you know what I mean? People write in, she write back, you know what I mean? She's been a, a really great ally to the inmate community. Yep. And the hip hop community. Yeah, she has. You know, so shout out to her and uh congratulations. When is the wedding? We haven't set a date. I mean, I call her my fiance and she still beats me in the head like I'm your fiance, right? And I'm like, Yeah, she's like, Well, you better go buy a ring. You know what I'm saying? So she's my fiance because I asked her to marry me. The ring's going on, the date. We haven't, you know, we haven't decided on that yet, but you know, it's it's gonna be something special. 
And again, so I've been home six months. I just been working towards getting on my feet, savings, car, jobs, you know, getting up. In the six months that you've been home, pay attention, y'all. What have you accomplished? I'm basically on UW Madison's payroll. I'm in Barber College. I'm in UW. I'm a college student humanity courses through Odyssey. Shout out to everybody in Odyssey. This is about my 10th podcast. They did a short film in my house for Odyssey beyond bars because I started Odyssey while I was locked up. I work at a barbershop. I work as a bouncer. I'm a DJ. I've been getting uh, unprecedented amounts of gigs, you know, and, and everything's just been coming like that. I'm in the process of writing a book. I got my, I had an editor look at it. Shout out to Jim Rubin. The book's going to be, you know, published soon, as soon as I finish writing it. Right. I really just wanted her feedback on whether or not I'm going down the right path. Everybody that's read what I have written down so far says the same thing. You, you a natural writer. I never considered myself a writer. The name of the book is going to be from, uh, from hardships to triumph and, and basically speaks on that. It speaks about, you know, childhood stuff, uh, you know, how I got to where I got to, man, how I ended up in prison, how I ended up in the life I ended up, you know, how I chose the life I, I chose and didn't have to. I was never no dummy. When I started going back to school, I was getting grades and I was surprising myself, man. I, again, at average, I have a 3.75, you know, but yet while I was in high school, I never went to class. You know what I'm saying? And, and um, that's your ancestors right there. Yeah. It must, it's got to be somebody that's in your family tree that was just smart. It's in your blood. You know, as a kid, my influences, bro, like the kind of people I was around weren't like they weren't dime, nickel and dime hustlers. You know what I'm saying? I was around people that they were really pushing stuff and I aspired to be like them, but I didn't know the back end of it. You know what I'm saying? I know millionaires that became drug addicts. I know drug addicts that stopped and became millionaires. Right. You know what I'm saying? And and it was, there was a lot, bro. There was domestic violence. There was uh, sexual abuse. There was, forget about it, bro. Unprecedented, overdose, dead, people dying of AIDS, people just, you know, losing children, CPS in the house. You know, and I thank God I had the kind of mother that, despite me being around that type of stuff, never allowed me to be like directly affected. Like I remember us moving from the projects to a beach house, literally Belt Harbor, Rockaway. My, it was my house, the driveway, a three foot wall, the beach, you know what I'm saying? And mom always took care of business. My mother owned three businesses, three restaurants with a fourth grade education. So really, when you say it was a choice, it was really a choice. Yeah. You just, I mean, cause you, it's not like you, I didn't have to, you didn't want for nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So shout out to mom dudes. Yeah. Cause she actually made yeah. a way yep. for real, yep. you know? So you made that choice and then she moved you out the hood. Mm-hmm. So it's like the age old saying, you can take boy out the hood but you can't take never take the hood out the boy mm-hmm. you know what i mean so you was out at, at that one point but you chose to go back absolutely and stay in that mind state that can be a cautionary chill to a lot of young men if you out stay out if you have a way out stay out people aspire to get on so they can make it out the hood oh we gonna make it out we're gonna make it out you got out physically but you never got out mentally and you're still promoting it. And you're glorifying it. Yep. Even though you out, you still making it seem like, oh, I'm there every day. So why would somebody who made it out want to be there every day? It doesn't make sense. You know, we want to promote mentorship on this program and we want to promote positivity. So for the youngins that might be listening, what is your message to them? To be totally transparent and honest to any young man that's listening, I'm going to tell you this. The fast route looks appealing. The jewelry looks appealing. The cars look appealing. You can get all that being educated. You can get all that working a legit job. It may take a little longer, but no one can take it from you. You don't ever have to look over your shoulders. 
and you'll be able to take care of your family in the long run. So if you out there hustling right now, if you out there selling drugs right now, and the reason for you doing it is because you need to put food on the table, you got to take care of your kids or you got to take care of your household. What's going to happen if you're gone? What's going to happen if you get caught or you get killed or something like that happens? Now, nobody's there to take care. So the responsibility that you took on is going to be gone because no one else is going to do it if you're not there. My advice to anybody, young, old, whatever the case is, if you love your family the way you say you love your family and you out there taking prison risk, it ain't worth it because I could sit here and tell you stories for days about money I spent or jewelry I had or vehicles or motorcycles, all this. I lost and combined with this nine years. And every time I got locked up and did a jail stint, I got about 14 years of incarceration time. When you locked up, the people you want to take care of are not having to take care of you. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and you, people got short memories, man. Yeah. And you got your big mama, you know, who you call granny or who you call whatever, taking out a whole social security check just so you could buy some noodles. And there's a lot of people, and I've seen this with my own eyes, who who press on their moms or press on their family and press just to take the money and go gamble it. So how can people get in contact with you? Well, I'm on Instagram. My Instagram is DJ Spade 718608 I'm on Facebook. My Facebook is Mark Anthony Espanol without the Enya. It's just with the NOL. You can hit me up for haircuts, you know, make an appointment for haircuts. What barbershop do you work at? Right now, I'm at Inspire Barbershop at the East Town Mall. DJ Spade, man, I really appreciate you coming by and uh, dropping the knowledge on us, man. I know you got to go. You're busy, man. Thank you. I appreciate you having me, man. This is D-Star. Until next time, guys. Thank you for listening to Out of the Box Podcast, an inspiring show advocating for our current and former inmates and their families in Wisconsin. Are you interested in starting your own podcast? Click our affiliate link or Buzzsprout for all your podcast hosting needs. You can also support the show by clicking our support link in the description.